0: SECTION 11 OF THE HOUSE OF THE WHITE SHADOWS This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. THE HOUSE OF THE WHITE SHADOWS by B. L. FARGIN SECTION 11 BOOK 3 CHAPTERS 1-3 through 3. BOOK 3 THE GRAVE OF HONOR CHAPTER 1 PREPARATIONS FOR A VISITOR At noon, the same day, the old housekeeper, Mother Denise, and her pretty granddaughter, Dionetta, were busily employed setting in order and arranging the furniture in a suite of rooms intended for an expected visitor. There were but two floors in the House of White Shadows, and the rooms in which Mother Denise and Dionetta were busy were situated on the upper floor. "'I think they will do now,' said Mother Denise wiping imaginary dust away with her apron. "'All but the flowers,' said Dionetta. "'No, grandmother, that desk is wrong. It is my lady's own desk, and is to be placed exactly in this corner, by the window. "'There, it is right now. "'Be sure that everything is in its proper place, "'and that the rooms are sweet and bright. "'Be sure, be sure!' she has said that twenty times this week ah said mother denise testily as if butterflies could teach bees how to work my lady is turning your head dionetta it is easy to see that she has bewitched half the people in the village here is father with the flowers haste martin haste easy to say hard to do grumbled martin entering slowly with a basket of cut flowers. "'My bones get more obstinate every day. Here's my lady been teasing me out of my life to cut every flower worth looking at. She would have made the garden a wilderness, and spoilt every bed, if I had not argued with her.' "'And what did she say?' asked Mother Denise, when you argued with her. "'Say?' smiled and showed all her white teeth at once. I never saw such teeth in my young days, nor such eyes, nor such hair, nor such hands. Enough to drive a young man crazy." "'Or an old one, either,' interrupted Mother Denise. She smiled as sweet as honey, you silly old man, and wheedled you and wheedled you till she got what she wanted pretty well pretty well you see dianetta there are two ways of getting a thing done a soft way and a hard way there 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 cried mother denise impatiently do your work with a still tongue and let us do ours get back to the garden and repair the mischief my lady has caused you to do what does a man want with a room full of roses she muttered when martin quick to obey his domestic tyrant had gone it is a welcome home said dionetta if i were absent from my place a long long while it would make me feel glad when i returned to see my rooms as bright as this it is as though the very roses remembered you you are young said mother denise and your thoughts go the way of roses I can't blame you, Dionetta. It was ten years since the master was here, you have told me, Grandmother. Yes, Dionetta. yes, ten years ago this summer, and even then he did not sleep in the house. Christian Almer hates the place, and of all the rooms in the villa, this is the room he would be most anxious to avoid. But why, Grandmother? asked Dianetta her eyes growing larger and rounder with wonder. And does my lady know it? My lady is a headstrong woman. She would not listen to me when I advised her to select other rooms for the young master, and she declares, in a light way to be sure, but these are not things to make light of, that she is very disappointed to find that the villa is not haunted. Haunted! I have never seen anything, nor has Martin, nor you, Dionetta. "'Oh, grandmother,' said the girl, in a timid voice, "'I don't know whether I have or not. Sometimes I have fancied—' "'Of course you have fancied, and that is all. You have woke up in the night and been frightened by nothing. Mark me, Dionetta, if you do no wrong and think no wrong—' YOU WILL NEVER SEE ANYTHING OF THE WHITE SHADOWS OF THIS HOUSE.' "'I am certain,' said Dianetta, more positively, "'when I have been almost falling asleep that I have heard them creeping, creeping past the door. I have listened to them over and over again, without daring to move in bed. Indeed, I have.' "'I am certain,' retorted Mother Denise, "'that you have heard nothing of the kind.' You are a foolish, silly girl to speak of such things. You put me quite out of patience, child. But Fritz says, Fritz is a fool, a cunning, lazy fool. If I were the owner of this property, I would pack him off. There's no telling which master he serves, Christian Almer or Master Pierre Lamont. He likes his bread buttered on both sides and accepts money from both gentlemen. That is not the conduct of a faithful servant. If I acted in such a manner, I should consider myself disgraced." "'I am sure,' murmured Dianetta, "'that Fritz has done nothing to disgrace himself.' "'Let those who are older than you,' said Mother Denise, in a sharp tone, "'be judges of that. Fritz is good for nothing but to chatter like a magpie and idle round the place from morning to night. When there's work to do, as there has been this week, carrying furniture and moving heavy things about, he must run away to the city, to the courthouse, where that murder is being tried. Dionetta, I am not in love with the advocate or his lady. The advocate is trying to get a murderer off. It may be the work of a clever man, but it is not the work of a good man. If I had a son, I would sooner have him good than clever, and I would sooner you married a good man than a clever one. I hope you are not thinking of marrying a fool." "'Oh, grandmother, who ever thinks of marrying?' "'Not you, of course, child. Would you have me believe that?' When I was your age, I thought of nothing else. And when you are my age, you will see the folly of it. No, I am not in love with the advocate. He is performing unholy work down there in Geneva. The priest says as much. If that murderer escapes from justice, the guilt of blood will weigh upon the advocate's soul. Oh, grandmother, if my lady heard you, she would never forgive you if she hears it it will not be from my tongue dionetta it was a young girl who was murdered about the same age as yourself it might have been you ah you may well turn white and this clever lawyer this stranger it is who comes among us to prevent justice being done upon a murderous wretch he will be punished for it mark my words dionetta who knew how useless it was to oppose her grandmother's opinions endeavored to change the subject by saying tell me grandmother why mr almer should be more anxious to avoid this room than any other room in the house i think it is the prettiest of all mother denise did not reply she looked round her with the air of a woman recalling a picture of long ago the story connected with this part of the house she presently said gave to the villa the name of the house of white shadows you are old enough to hear it let me see let me see christian almer is now thirty-one years old yes thirty-one on his last birthday how time passes i remember well the day he was born hush grandmother said dionetta holding up her hand my lady the advocate's wife had entered the room quietly and was regarding the arrangements with approval it is excellently done she said exactly as i wished dionetta it was you who arranged the flowers yes my lady you have exquisite taste really exquisite mother denise i am really obliged to you i have done nothing said mother denise that it was not my duty to do such an unpleasant way of putting it for there is a way of doing things just what grandfather said cried dionetta gleefully a hard way and a soft way and then becoming suddenly aware of her rudeness in interrupting her mistress She curtsied, and with a bright color in her face, said, I beg your pardon, my lady. There's no occasion, child, said Adelaide graciously. Grandfather is quite right, and everything in this room has been done beautifully. She held a framed picture in her hand, a colored cabinet photograph of herself, and she looked round the walls to find a place for it. "'This will do,' she said, and she took down the picture of a child which hung immediately above her desk and put her own in its stead. "'It is nice,' she said to Mother Denise, smiling, to see the faces of old friends about us. "'Mr. Almer and I are very old friends.' "'The picture you have taken down,' said Mother Denise, "'is of Christian Almer when he was a child.' indeed how old was he then five years my lady he was a handsome boy his hair and eyes are darker now you were speaking of him mother denise as i entered you were saying he was thirty-one last birthday and that you remember the day he was born yes my lady and you were about to tell dionetta why this villa was called the house of white shadows Give me the privilege of hearing the story. I would rather not relate it, my lady. Nonsense, nonsense. If Dionetta may hear it, there can be no objection to me. Mr. Almer would be quite angry if he knew you refused me so simple a thing. Listen to what he says in his last letter. And Adelaide took a letter from her pocket and read, Mother Denise, the housekeeper, and the most faithful servant of the house, will do everything in her power to make you comfortable and happy. She will carry out your wishes to the letter. Tell her, if necessary, that is my desire, and that she is to refuse you nothing. Now, you dear old soul, are you satisfied?' "'Well, my lady, if you insist—' Of course I insist, you dear creature. I am sure there is no one in the village who can tell a story half as well as you. Come and stand by me, Dionetta, for fear of ghosts. She seated herself before the desk, upon which she laid the picture of the lad, and Mother Denise, who was really by no means loath to recall old reminiscences, and who, as she proceeded, derived great enjoyment herself from the narration. Thus commenced. Chapter Two A Love Story of the Past I was born in this house, my lady. My mother was housekeeper here before me. I am sixty-eight years old, and I have never slept a night away from the villa. I hope to die here, until your arrival the house has not been inhabited for more than twenty years i dare say if mr christian almer the present master had the power to sell the estate he would have done so long ago but he is bound by his father's will not to dispose of it while he lives so it has been left to our care all these years christian almer's father lived here and courted his young wife here a very beautiful lady. That is her portrait hanging on the wall. It was painted by Monsieur Gabriel, and is a faithful likeness of Mr. Christian Almer's mother. His father, perhaps he may have told you, was a distinguished author. There are books upon the library shelves written by him. I will speak of him, if you please, as Mr. Almer." and my present master I will call Master Christian. It will make the story easier to tell. When Mr. Almer came into his property, which consisted of this villa and many houses and much land in other parts, all of which have been sold, this is the only portion of the old estates which remains in the family, there were at least twenty servants employed here, He was fond of passing days and nights shut up with his books and papers, but he liked to see company about him. He had numerous friends and acquaintances, and money was freely spent. He would invite a dozen, twenty at a time, who used to come and go as they pleased, living in the house as if it were their own. Mr. Almer and his friends understood each other and the master was seldom intruded upon in his solitude he was very very quiet but when he came among his guests he was full of life and spirits he seemed to forget his books and his studies and it was hard to believe he was the same gentleman who appeared to be so happy when he was in solitude he was a good master and although he appeared to pay no attention to what was passing around him there was really very little that escaped his notice. At the time I speak of he was not a young man, he was forty-five years of age, and everybody wondered why he did not marry. He laughed and shook his head when it was mentioned, and said sometimes that he was too old, sometimes that he was happy enough with his books, sometimes that if a man married without loving and being loved, He deserved every kind of misfortune that could happen to him, and then he would say that, cold as he might appear, he worshipped beauty, and that it was not possible he could marry any but a young and beautiful woman. I have heard the remark made to him that the world was full of young and beautiful women, and have heard him reply that it was not likely one would fall at the feet of a man of his age my mother and i were privileged servants my mother had been his nurse and he had an affection for her so that we had opportunities of hearing and knowing more than the others one summer there came to the villa among the visitors an old gentleman and his wife and their daughter the young lady's name was beatrice she was one of the brightest beings i have ever beheld WITH THE HAPPIEST FACE AND THE HAPPIEST LAUGH AND A STEP AS LIGHT AS A FAIRY'S. I DO NOT KNOW HOW MANY PEOPLE FELL IN LOVE WITH HER. I THINK ALL WHO SAW HER. MY MASTER, MR. ALMER, WAS ONE OF THESE, BUT, UNLIKE HER OTHER ADMIRERS, HE SHUNNED RATHER THAN FOLLOWED HER. HE SHUT HIMSELF UP WITH HIS BOOKS FOR LONGER PERIODS and took less part than ever in the gaieties and excursions which were going on day after day no one would have supposed that her beauty and her winning ways had made any impression upon him it is not for me to say whether the young lady observing this as she could scarcely help doing resolved to attract him to her when we are young we act from impulse and do not stop to consider consequences. It happened, however, and she succeeded in wooing him from his books. But there was no love-making on his part, as far as anybody could see, and his conduct gave occasion for no remarks. But I remember it was spoken of among the guests that the young lady was in love with our master, and we all wondered what would come of it soon afterwards a dreadful accident occurred the gentlemen were out riding and were not expected home till evening but they had not been away more than two hours before mr almer galloped back in a state of great agitation he sought mademoiselle beatrice's mother and communicated the news to her in a gentle manner you may be sure her husband had been thrown from his horse and was being carried to the villa, dreadfully hurt, and in a state of insensibility. Mr. Almer's great anxiety was to keep the news from Mademoiselle Beatrice, but he did not succeed. She rushed into the room and heard all. She was like one distracted. She flew out of the villa in her white dress and ran along the road the horsemen had taken her movements were so quick that they could not stop her but mr almer ran after her and brought her back to the house in a fainting condition a few minutes afterwards the old gentleman was brought in and the house was a house of mourning no dancing no music no singing all was changed we spoke in whispers and moved about slowly just as if a funeral was about to take place. The doctors gave no hopes. They said he might linger in a helpless state for weeks, but that it was impossible he could recover. Of course, this put an end to all the festivities, and one after another the guests took their departure, until, in a little while, the only visitors remaining were the family upon whom such a heavy blow had fallen. Mr. Almer no longer locked himself up in his study, but devoted the whole of his time to Mademoiselle Beatrice and her parents. He asked me to wait upon Mademoiselle Beatrice, and to see that her slightest wish was gratified. I found her very quiet and very gentle. She spoke but little, and the only thing she showed any obstinacy in... "'was in insisting upon sitting by her father's bedside a few hours every day. "'I had occasion, not very long afterwards, "'to learn that when she set her mind upon a thing, "'it was not easy to turn her from it. "'These gentle, delicate creatures, sometimes, "'are capable of as great determination as the strongest man.' "'Denise,' said Mr. Almer to me, The doctors say that if Mademoiselle Beatrice does not take exercise, she will herself become seriously ill. Prevail upon her to enjoy fresh air. Walk with her in the garden an hour or so every day, and amuse her with light talk. A nature like hers requires sunshine. I did my best to please Mr. Almer. The weather was fine, and not a day passed that Mademoiselle Beatrice did not walk with me in the grounds. And here Mr. Almer was in the habit of joining us. When he came I fell back, and he and Mademoiselle Beatrice walked side by side, sometimes arm in arm, and I a few yards behind. I could not help noticing the wonderful kindness of his manner towards her it was such as a father might show for a daughter he loved very dearly well well i thought i seemed to see how it would all end and i believed it would be a good ending although there were such a number of years between them he forty-five and she seventeen a month passed in this way and the old gentleman's condition became so critical that we expected every moment to hear of his death. The accident had deprived him of his senses, and it was only two days before his death that his mind became clear. Then a long private interview took place between him and Mr. Almer, which left my master more than ever serious, and more than ever gentle, towards Mademoiselle Beatrice. I was present when the old gentleman died. He had lost the power of speech. His wife was sitting by his bedside, holding his hand. His daughter was on her knees with her face buried in the bedclothes. Mr. Almer was standing close, looking down upon them. I was at the end of the room, waiting to attend upon Mademoiselle Beatrice. She was overwhelmed with grief, but her mother's trouble, it appeared to me, was purely selfish she seemed to be thinking of what would become of her when her husband was gone. The dying gentleman suddenly looked into my master's face, and then turned his eyes upon his daughter, and my master inclined his head gravely, as though he was answering a question. A peaceful expression came upon the sufferer's face, and in a very little while he breathed his last. Here Mother Denise paused and broke off in her story, saying, "'I did not know it would take so long a-telling. "'I have wearied you, my lady.' "'Indeed not,' said the advocate's wife. "'I don't know when I have been so much interested. "'It is just like reading a novel. "'I am sure there is something startling to come. "'You must go on to the end, Mother Denise, if you please.' "'With your permission, my lady,' said Mother Denise, and, smoothing down her apron, she continued the narrative. CHAPTER Three: A MOTHER'S TREACHERY Two days after Mademoiselle Beatrice's father was buried, Mr. Almer said to me, "'Denise, I am compelled to go away on business, and I shall be absent a fortnight at least.' I leave Mademoiselle Beatrice in your care. As a mark of faithful service to me, be sure that nothing is left undone to comfort both her and her mother in their great trouble. I understood without his telling me that it was really Mademoiselle Beatrice he was anxious about. Everyone who had any experience of the old lady knew that she was very well able to take care of herself on the same day a long conversation took place between my master and the widow and before sundown he departed it got to be known that he had gone to look after the affairs of the gentlemen who died here and that the ladies instead of being rich as we had supposed them to be were in reality very poor and likely to be thrown upon the world in a state of poverty unless they accepted assistance from Mr. Almer. They were much worse off than poor people. Having been brought up as ladies, they could do nothing to help themselves. While Mr. Almer was away, Mademoiselle Beatrice and I became almost friends, I may say. She took great notice of me, and appeared to be glad to have me with her. The poor young lady had no one else, for there was not much love lost between her and her mother the selfish old lady did nothing but bewail her own hard fate and spoke to her daughter as if the young lady could have nothing to grieve at in being deprived of a father's love but sorrow does not last forever my lady even with the old and the young shake it off much more readily so it was to my mind quite natural when mr Almer returned which he did after an absence of fifteen days that he should find mademoiselle beatrice much more cheerful than when he left he was pleased to say that it was my doing and that i should have no cause to regret it to the last day of my life i had done so little that the great store he set upon it made me think more and more of the ending to it all there could be but one natural ending a marriage and yet never for one moment had i seen him conduct himself toward mademoiselle beatrice as a lover he brought bad news back with him and when he communicated it to the old lady she walked about the grounds like a distracted person moaning and wringing her hands i got to know about it through my young lady We were out walking in the lanes when we overtook two wretched-looking women, one old and one young. They were in rags, and their white faces and slow, painful steps, as they dragged one foot after another, would have led anybody to suppose that they had not eaten a meal for days. They were truly misery's children. Mademoiselle Beatrice asked in a whisper, as they turned and looked pitifully at her. "'Who are they, Denise?' "'They are beggars,' I answered. She took out her purse and spoke to them and gave them some money. They thanked her gratefully and crawled away, Mademoiselle Beatrice looking after them with an expression of thoughtfulness and curiosity in her lovely face. "'Denise,' she said presently, "'Mr. Almer, who before my father's death promised to look after his affairs, "'has told us we are beggars.' "'I was very, very sorry to hear it, "'but I could not reconcile the appearance of the bright young creature standing before me "'with that of the wretched beings who had just left us. "'And although she spoke gravely and said the news was shocking,' She did not seem to feel it as much as her words would have led one to believe. It was a singular thing, my lady, that Mademoiselle Beatrice wore black for her father for only one day. There was quite a scene between her and her mother on the subject, but the young lady had her way, and only wore her black dress for a few hours. "'I hate it,' she said. "'It makes me feel as if I were dead.' i am sure it was not because she did not love her father that she refused to put on mourning for him never except on that one day did i see her wear any dress but white and the only bits of color she put on were sometimes a light pink or a light blue ribbon that is how it got to be said when she was seen from a distance walking in the grounds she looks like a white shadow So when she told me she was a beggar and stood before me, fair and beautiful, dressed in soft white, with a pink ribbon at her throat, and long coral earrings in her ears, I could not understand how it was possible she could be what she said. It was true, though. She and her mother had not a franc, and Mr. Almer, who brought the news, did not seem to be sorry for it. The widow cried for days and days, did nothing but cry and cry, but that, of course, could not go on forever, and in time she became, to all appearance, consoled. No guests were invited to the villa, and my master was alone with Mademoiselle Beatrice and her mother. It seemed to me, after a time, that he made many attempts to get back into his old groove, but he was not his own master and could not do as he pleased now it was mademoiselle beatrice who wanted him now it was her mother and as they were in a measure dependent upon him he could not deny himself to them he might have done so had they been rich he could not do so as they were poor i soon saw that when mademoiselle beatrice intruded herself upon him It was at the instigation of her mother, and that, had she consulted her own inclination, she would have retired as far into the background as he himself desired to be. The old lady, however, had set her heart upon a scheme, and she had left no stone unturned to bring it about. Oh, she was cunning and clever, and they were not a match for her, neither her daughter, who knew nothing of the world nor Mr. Almer, who, deeply read as he was, and clever, and wise in many things, knew as little of worldly ways as the young lady he loved and was holding aloof from. For this was clear to me and to others, though I dare say our master had no idea that his secret was known, indeed that it was common talk. One morning I had occasion to go into Geneva to purchase things for the house, which I was to bring back with me in the afternoon. As I was stepping into the wagon, Mademoiselle Beatrice came out of the gates and said, "'Denise, will you pass the post office in Geneva?' "'Yes, Mademoiselle,' I replied. "'Here is a letter,' she then said. "'I have just written, and I want it posted there at once.' Will you do it for me?' "'Certainly I will,' I said, and I took the letter. "'Be sure you do not forget, Denise,' she said as she turned away. "'I will not forget, Mademoiselle,' I said. There was no harm in looking at the envelope. It was addressed to a Monsieur Gabriel. I was not half a mile on the road to Geneva, before I heard coming on behind me very fast the wheels of a carriage. We drove aside to let it pass. It was one of our own carriages, and the old lady was in it. "'Ah, Denise,' she said, "'you are going to Geneva?' "'Yes, my lady.' "'I shall be there an hour before you. I am going to the post office to get some letters.' As she said that, I could not help glancing at the letter Mademoiselle Beatrice had given me, which I held in my hand, for safety. "'It is a letter my daughter has given you to post,' she said. "'Yes, my lady,' I could say nothing else. "'Give it to me,' she said. "'I know she wants it posted immediately. "'It does not matter who posts a letter.' She said this impatiently and haughtily, for I think I was hesitating. However, I could do nothing but give her the letter, and as I did not suspect anything wrong, I said nothing of the adventure to Mademoiselle Beatrice, especially as she did not speak of the letter to me. Had she done so, I might have explained that her mother had taken it from me to post, and quite likely, although I hope I am mistaken, the strange and dreadful events that occurred before three years passed by might have been avoided the old lady was very civil to me after this and would continually question me about my master he has a great deal of property she asked yes madame he is very rich denise yes madame and comes from an old family "'Yes, madame.' "'It is a pity he writes books, but he is highly respected, is he not, Denise?' "'No gentleman stands higher, madame.' "'His nature, Denise, though it is exceedingly wrong in me to ask, for I have had experience of it, his nature is very kind?' "'Very kind, madame, and very noble.' A hundred questions of this kind were put to me, sometimes when the young lady was present, sometimes when the mother and I were alone. While this was going on, I often noticed that Mademoiselle Beatrice came from her mother's room in great agitation. From a man these signs can be hidden. From a woman, no. Man is too often blind to the ways of women. I am sure Mr. Almer knew nothing of what was passing between mother and daughter, but even if he had known, he would not have understood the meaning of it. I did not at the time. Well, all at once the old lady made her appearance among us with a face in which the greatest delight was expressed. She talked to the servants quite graciously, and nodded and smiled and didn't know what to do to show how amiable she was. "'What a change in the weather,' we all said. "'The reason was soon forthcoming. "'Our master and her daughter were engaged to be married. "'We were none of us sorry. "'We all liked Mademoiselle Beatrice, "'and it was so sad to think that a good old race would die out "'if Mr. Almer remained single all the days of his life.' "'Yes, we talked over the approaching marriage, as did everybody in the village, with real pleasure. "'And if good feeling and sincere wishes could bring happiness, "'Mr. Almer and his young and beautiful wife that was to be could not have failed to enjoy it.' "'It is true, Mademoiselle, is it not?' I asked of her. "'I may congratulate you?' "'I am engaged to be married to Mr. Almer,' she said, "'if that is what you mean.' "'You will have a good man for your husband, mademoiselle,' I said. "'You will be very happy.' But here was something in her manner that made me hope the approaching change in her condition would not make her proud. It was cold and distant, different from the way she had hitherto behaved to me so the old house was gay again improvements and alterations were made and very soon we were thronged with visitors who came and went and laughed and danced as though life were a perpetual holiday but mademoiselle beatrice was not as light-hearted as before she moved about more slowly and with a certain sadness it was noticed by many I thought, perhaps, that the contemplation of the change in her life made her more serious, or that she had not yet recovered the shock of her father's death. The old lady was in her glory, ordering here and ordering there, and giving herself such airs that one might have supposed it was she who was going to get married, and not her daughter. Mr. Almer gave Mademoiselle Beatrice no cause for disquiet. He was entirely and most completely devoted to her, and I am sure that no other woman in the world ever had a more faithful lover. He watched her every step, and followed her about with his eyes, in a way that would have made any ordinary woman proud. As for presents, he did not know how to do enough of the beautiful girl who was soon to be his wife. I never saw such beautiful jewelry as he had made for her, and he seemed to be continually studying what to do to give her pleasure. If ever a woman ought to have been happy, she ought to have been. End of section eleven.